Hi everyone and welcome back to The Women's Scope with me, Kirsty King, the show all about female changemakers both on campus and beyond. I hope you're all well and hope you all had a good St. Patrick's Day last week, whatever you were doing. On today's show, Rachel Hassan and Abby Davidson will be back with another worldwide woman. But before that, I'm really excited to be speaking to Bethany Moore, QBSU's full-time welfare officer, all about her work in the union this year, as well as her involvement with QUB's Project Choice and the campaign group Alliance for Choice Derry. So let's get started and here's my chat with Bethany. I'm now joined by Bethany Moore, QBSU's welfare officer. Bethany, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, I'm really good, Kirsty. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm really excited to be here. I think um, the Women's Scoop has been creating some really, um, really great content, content on campus. So I'm very happy to be here. Oh, thank you so much. It's great to have you on the show with us today. Um, so just before we get into discussing your role on campus, could you just um, just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, no problem. Um, so yeah, uh, my name is Bethany Murr. I'm 23 years old and I'm from Derry. So I'm the current Student Union Welfare Officer at Queen's. Um, during my time at Queen's, I have been a proud member of Project Choice and the Climate Action Group. And during my final year at Queen's, I was also the RAG chairperson who was in charge of student fundraising at QUB. I'm also a reproductive justice activist, I'm a very proud member of Alliance for Choice Dairy, and I'm also a trained abortion doula in line um, with the NI kind of guidelines that are in place at the moment. That's great. Thank you so much. So in a moment, we'll talk more about um, what you have been doing on campus this year as welfare officer. But um, just before that, the role of welfare officer... Um, encompasses a few different areas. Um, so could you tell us a bit about the responsibilities that come under the role of a welfare officer in the SU? Yeah, um, and you've, I think you've hit the nail on the head there when you say it encompasses a few different areas. Um, the role of welfare officer, I would say, um, is all encompassing. And I think that's something that really drew me to the role because um, it has a really wide kind of remit. There's a lot you can do there. Um, so when the official kind of guidelines or bylines of the issue, um, it says the welfare officer is in charge of everything to do with um, student welfare and student wellbeing. Um, as welfare officer, I would argue that like everything is a welfare issue. Um, so, you know, you work on everything from mental health, physical health, sexual health, um, to, you know, housing, to all those different things that kind of feed into, you know, student welfare, um, work on, you know, disciplinary panels, working on those processes. So it really, um, it you can do anything with the welfare remit, um, which is really quite exciting. You know, and I think you can see that when you look back at, you know, the different welfare officers that have been in before, you can kind of see you know what their main kind of interests are their main goals are and um, so it's really exciting in that way you can kind of hone in on what you think is a really prominent issue really important issue for students um, and you know a lot of reactive work comes up too because as we know from the past two years um you know you can't plan everything so yeah. um you know all student officers um do kind of reactive work too when stuff um you know crops up yeah that's interesting yeah because I feel like in the last two years there's definitely been a lot of areas where you have to, to be sort of reactive to the current situation definitely um <laughs> um so in a moment I'd like to speak a bit about the free period products pilot scheme on campus which you've been involved in this year um but before that could you just first tell us a bit about some of the areas uh, that you've been working on this year and some of your plans for the rest of the year as well for officer as well 
Yeah, well, as you mentioned, the <laughs> theory of poverty pilot scheme is like my kind of main area of focus this year. So that has taken up, um, you know, a good chunk of like my time and my planning, which um, has been so worthwhile. Um, but I've also been working on reinstating the sexual health clinics. That has also been um, another priority project of mine that has, you know, a lot of work has gone under. And I'm really excited to say that those clinics will be starting again in the Students' Union next Monday, um, which I think is really great because kind of on a worldwide scale, sexual and reproductive health care obviously had to take a backseat during the pandemic because we were dealing with the pandemic and lots of healthcare workers were redeployed. So I'm really excited to say they'll be coming back and, and to start that up in the union and that will be in place moving on the, the new build um, as well. Also working on um, just a load of kind of different things, as I said, the reactive work. So, you know, when we started in the summer, I completed lots of training um, to prepare me for the role. When we got into kind of September time, um, I helped a lot with, you know, the, the accommodation kind of work that was going on. Um, you know, there has been so much lobbying going on um, for climate change bills and trade union bills and reproductive health care and all, all the bills. Students um, love a bit of solidarity, which I think <laughs> is really cool. Um, moving forward, um, at me and Neve have been working very closely together um, and working with the PSNI on um, the issue of spiking and also feeding Nandi their specific strategy on violence against women and girls, but also talking to them going forward about how they can build up kind of better trust and better relationships with students in the area. Um, because, uh, you know, it's no secret that um, the PSNI and students haven't had a, the best relationship, especially, you know, we're a, we're a day away from St. Patrick's Day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the past couple of years, there has been the issues of fines and disciplinary procedures and all of that. And um, so also before kind of my time in the union is done, I'm looking to kind of feedback on those processes and how welfare can be put at the heart of those and students' welfare. Um, and, you know, we've been working with them on the issue of spiking and going forward, um, you know, hopefully um, before the next couple of months are up, I would really like to get some resources on, um, you know, drug use, alcohol use and harm reduction, um, especially coming under the summer months um, as students are, you know, getting ready to finish exams and celebrate. Um, you know, I would like to kind of just tell students that, you know, um, there is, you know, a safe way to behave around alcohol and drugs um, and really like everything I do is like non-judgmental like so I just want to really make that um, a thing coming into the summer months and hopefully I will also be able to pass pass some policy on an international guarantor scheme um, before my time in the union's done because I know um, Emma our incoming president is keen to continue the work on that um, so I would like to, you know, kind of work on that and put up, put up a, a good groundwork for her. So I'm totally rambled there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, as I said, welfare's a really wide remit and there's so much to do within the role, um, which is really exciting. You know, you can work on every, everyone's projects, um, yeah. you know, them. so it's really, it's been great. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's a really interesting variety of work um, that you've been doing this year. So now the um, the free period products uh, pilot scheme was launched earlier this academic year, um, and it's been a great success. <coughs> so could you tell us a bit about the scheme, um, like how it came about, and your hopes and plans for it going forward? Yeah. Oh, I feel like the scheme is like just my little child now. <laughs> um, yeah. So the scheme actually, um, when I came into the union. Um, the scheme had been approved and the funding had been, um, you know, 
not not allocated, but um, DFA, you know, the Department for the Economy um, had said, you know, we're going to fund this pilot project next year. Um, so before I actually came under the union, I got really involved in student activism um, during like the year of COVID. Um, so I was on a lot of Zoom meetings and stuff. So there was like a higher education kind of task force that was brought together with um, students uh, and student officers from Queens, from UESU, from NUSUSI, and working with the likes of, you know, Homeless Period, Belfast, who have really been amazing and um, have been leading the way on this, along with Equality Period, NI, and, you know, groups like that. So it was really coming together and discussing, um, you know, pe- not only period poverty, but period dignity, um, and, you know, kind of period justice, I suppose you could call it. Um, and how moving forward, um, you know, higher education settings in particular could work on providing free period products. So when I came under the role, um, you know, the government had said we are going to fund the scheme for, you know, a year's pilot um, and see how that works. So when I came in, what I really had to do was we had got the go ahead. Um, I had to kind of help and the actual set up and okay, let's get this scheme running, let's get it going. So working very closely because, you know, it's a joint project. So it's been funded by the Department for the Economy, um, but it has been in conjunction with QUB Wellbeing um, and also with the SU. So there's a lot of kind of different people that we would have to go and work with. And, you know, um, it's it's all to do with the manpower of it, I suppose, too. Like we've had a great um, help from the library and kind of the cleaners um who you know sort out and facilitate those products being in, in the bathrooms um so it's all that kind of work that's gone on date and then you know the promotion of the scheme making students know um it's there and we've also um been you know re- really privileged because we were invited up to Stormont to go in and directly consult um on the period poverty bill that has been um, put through by the SDLP's Pat Catney. We were up there with, you know, members of UESU and Homeless Period Belfast um, to consult on, on that bill and what that looks like and how going forward that will help in higher education settings. So I think it's a really um just an essential piece of work, a really important piece of work. So yeah, that's been the project uh, so far. And I think my hopes going forward for it um is just really that you know period products are put in every single building um and every toilet uh not just on campus but everywhere yeah. um but to make sure that you know students have access to every product uh, they need um and at the minute we actually we have a survey out um looking for student kind of respondents to feedback on the scheme and what they think about it um and that is kind of ongoing for the next couple of weeks um and it's it's been really great so far to see students kind of comments on that um and i think a lot of students are on the same same page because um the majority of the comments are like we need period products in every bathroom and i'm like yes i, I love this um but it's been really great to see students um insights on it and arrange different insights um and everything so it's been it's been great to have that feedback as well yeah definitely and I feel like the more sort of accessible period products become in sort of on campus and in public spaces, I think the less it's a stigma because I feel like quite often if you're somewhere and you feel like there's no period products, you feel like it's like a secretive thing. Like you feel like you're at fault for not thinking about it if you are in need of a period product. So I feel like the more accessible they are, the more sort of like better everyone feels about it. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, um, there, there's definitely this misconception that if you are someone who, you know, menstruates or someone that has a period, 
that you must have like an adequate stock of period <laughs> products on you at all times in case you get your period. Um, and I actually have seen, you know, some comments like that, um, not from students, but, you know, from kind of older men. Um, <laughs> so, you know, old, older cis men. So um, I think it's just about removing that um, and showing that again, you know, I said earlier, you know, we, we can't plan everything. Life is not black and white. That's not how it works. Mm. Um, and, you know, you're not always going to have a period product on you. You're not always going to, you know, have access to like a shop or somewhere. You might not always have the money to have period products. So and I think that's something that I've really taken away from the likes of working with USU and especially homeless period Belfast who always say period products should be just like toilet roll they should be in mm-hmm. every bathroom and every stall just like toilet roll um, and I think that's the stage we need to get to not just on campus but like everywhere yeah absolutely I feel like just like toilet roll should be available that's definitely like a really important thing to take away so just moving on now to some other things that you've been involved with as SU welfare officer um, so last month the SU held a number of stalls as part of Sexual Health Week and Sexual Abuse and Awareness Week. Um, so could you tell us a bit about this um, event and the organisations which were involved as part of the event? Yeah, I'm happy to talk about this event, but before I do, I'm just going to say that this this event was solely organised um, and led by Neve, our oh. Equality and Diversity Officer. She um, has been doing such amazing work, so I just I just want to like shout out her. I think her consent campaign, her consent packs, everything has uh, and i've seen how much work she's put on this um so she was the one that you know took the lead set up on this um and it was really amazing so we found that sexual health week and sexual abuse and awareness week were kind of around like the same kind of time frame um so we thought we would um combine them and invite a range of different organizations and um so we had Neve, who was there kind of helping launch her campaign consent campaign and giving out you know the student um, consent packs which have been really popular um, but we also invited so we had project choice there leafleting um you know because reproductive justice and sexual health um go hand in hand really um so we had project choice there we had common youth who are an amazing um sexual health organization we had rape crisis ni informant choices ni um, and we also had our student union mental health and well-being coordinator there um because you know all these things are you know the sexual health doesn't happen in a vacuum away from like mental health or you know consent or any of those things those are all in conjunction with each other and so those organizations were there and you know students love a freebie so they brought some great freebies (laughs) Um, I think you know people got a tote bag they got lots of different stuff and so they were there really to you know provide information around their services Um, and a lot of those kind of freebies that I speak of were the likes of you know um, condoms and leaflets so this is where you can access our services um, you know, they have little kind of pens, different, all different, um, very innovative stuff and with their uh, every organization's details on it. Um, and we just really loved having those people in because it's, it's really great to just bring students with us and introduce the, them to those organizations. Um, because, you know, when you get to uni, um, you know, even before you get to uni, your sexual health is something that you have to start thinking about and actively, you know, taking care of. Um, so it was really great to get all these people in and students were so receptive. We we really had um, a great response from all our students. Um, so it was an absolutely fantastic event. Really, really glad to have all those organisations and um, helping us out. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like a great variety of organisations that were involved. Another <laughs> thing um, that you mentioned there was Project Choice. 
and you're actually the co-chair of Project Choice this year alongside the Equality and Diversity Officer, Neve, um, who I spoke to on the show a few weeks ago. But um, could you just remind us a bit about uh, what Project Choice is and the kind of work that you do as well? Yes, of course. I'm very happy to. Um, Project Choice is very close to my heart uh, as it's where I started my activist journey, um, both in, you know, reproductive justice activism and student activism. So to now be sitting as, you know, Project Choice's co-chair as the Student Union Welfare Officer, it's something that really just means so much to me. Um, So Project Choice does such um, amazing, amazing work. It's um, Queen's University of Belfast Students Union only reproductive justice campaign and it is led by, you know, our student activists. So um, over the past year project choice has engaged in you know a variety of political lobbying and we attended one of the feminist societies events where we lobbied Emma Sheeran from Sinn Féin and Naomi Long um, the Alliance Party leader we also signpost people seeking abortions to the correct healthcare organizations because students get abortions too and it's really important that they are you know directed to the the right that places and um, that are going to give them the care they need and want and deserve um, we've hosted several events um, you know so this ranges from rallies and protests um, so we have hosted a decriminalization second anniversary rally um, we have hosted our student international women's day rally recently we've um, had student blocks at the likes of reclaim the night um, and also the wider belfast international women's day rally which took place on the saturday um, and we've also had a presence at you know the likes of the texas solidarity rally because um you know the reproductive justice movement is a global one and um, we do lots of student outreach sessions so we do um different stalls which um we've recently got kind of new leaflets um, and badges that kind of merchandise done up um, so students can learn more about us on campus and how to get involved and and you know also where to go if you need an abortion um we had a christmas campaign where we had a film screening of the feminist film moxie which is a nice little kind of introduction for anyone new to like feminism and these movements too um it's really quite quite a nice film um and we did a donation drive for homeless period belfast who were looking for um donations of period products in the lead up to christmas um and then we also host just kind of regular organizing meetings and training sessions for our students because i think you know one of the things that is really important to all of us at project choice is that it's you know it's for students but we want to equip you and make sure you have all the tools and resources you need to become you know a lifelong community activist community campaigner um you know across any range of, of campaigns or social justice issues um, and we've also really heightened our uh, social media presence I have to shout out our social media team they're absolutely amazing so um, for the past wee while we have been curating different um, you know different pieces of uh, content so we have people of project choice which is where members of project choice um, come and share their stories about how they came to the movement um, how they came to reproductive justice abortion rights um, we have midweek Mythbuster, which is where we take kind of myths and false information that is given out by the likes of, you know, anti-choice campaigns, campaigners, um, and we provide the the facts, the information on them. So that's um, really cool for anyone that's interested in like the research side of stuff. And we also do Facts Friday where 
we update everyone on reproductive healthcare news um across the north um you know across the south across Ireland but also across the globe and um, because as I said this is you know um, a, a global movement um so you know Project Choice has done some really really cool work and you know you know I think we've really been recognized for that which is lovely so I'm so proud of the entire Project Choice team <laughs> um, I just think they're all amazing yeah I think you've been doing some brilliant work this year and like every year really and I really like the social media as well like I love the um the people of Project Choice and the the midweek myth busters they're like really interesting because like I feel like there's so many myths you sort of just learn in society about abortion that are just completely untrue and that you sort of need people to bust those myths um yeah so definitely great work so yeah, um, you spoke there a bit about International Women's Day um, and Project Choice held a number of um, events to mark the occasion last week and this included a rally uh, with some great speakers. Um, so could you tell us a bit about uh, the rally and uh, the other events that you held last week? Yeah, of course. Um, I'm happy to. So yeah, we had a range of events on for International Women's Day week. Um, Project Choice always hosts an International Women's Day student rally. It's kind of been tradition um, since Project Choice has started, really, and that's something me and the team felt really kind of strong about, you know, keeping that tradition going. Um, so I'll really kind of start from like the Saturday of International Women's Day week and work through. Um, so on Saturday, the 5th of March, um, Project Choice hosted a student block at the wider International Women's Day rally that was hosted by um, Reclaim the Agenda. Um, then on the Monday, we had a banner making session ahead of our student rally. So um, we really like to do that before any rallies, any protests, because, um, you know, it just gives people all the materials they need to come and make their banner, make their placard, make their sign. Um, and it's nice to talk about plans for like rallies and protests and just really gets everyone kind of, you know, excited and kind of fired up about um, the event. Um, so then, yeah, on Tuesday the 8th, so on International Women's Day itself, we hosted our student rally. We had a range of different speakers who were all absolutely amazing, completely fantastic. So um, I spoke, um, Neve, our Equality and Diversity Officer spoke. We had Jess from the Feminist Society, um, Marav from UCU, Jamie Hagen from the Centre for Gender and Politics at QUB. We had Kieran uh, Portberry, a LGBTQ plus activist and our incoming um, Equality and Diversity Officer. We had Rachel Hassan, um, who's a proud member of Project Choice and also QUB Inclusion. Um, and we also had Evelyn McCormack, our Irish language part-time officer speak. Um, and everyone re really got to go up and speak about um, you know, their interpretations of, you know, International Women's Day and feminism. And a lot of people spoke to like the roots of it, um, International Women's Day um, and kind of how their, you know, campaign or their organization, um, you know, ties into the, the fight for really gender, gender justice and gender equality. Um, so everyone was absolutely amazing. The speakers were really, really fantastic, really bringing International Women's Day back to um, that kind of roots and like the grassroots movement um, and, and protest um, because I think all of us you know some speakers even mentioned about wanting to move away from you know the promotional side of International Women's Day you know a lot of fast fashion companies were like you know hey girls International Women's Day take like 50% off this three pound dress so I think we were all really keen to bring it like back to the streets um, you know back to that kind of protest um, real feeling um, and then also on the Tuesday um, the Centre for Gender and Politics at QUB launched its Queens on Gender report at Riddle Hall um, which we also attended um, and then on Wednesday the 9th Neve and some students 
um, hosted a active consent workshop so um, we ran that previously um, a couple months ago as well. Uh, Active Consent's a great program. It started down um, at uh, NUI Galway. Um, so we've been doing those workshops too. And then on Thursday the 10th, um, Project Choice had a presence, had a little stall and was leafleting at a, a wider consent fair um, in the PFC, you know, outside Junction, um, which again, students were really, really responsive to. So there was a lot happening. International Women's Day is always a very busy week for any kind of feminist organization um but we had you know a great response from you know students and, and staff alike and supporters as well um and it was really lovely just to kind of meet people in person and celebrate it in person again um because like everything else we haven't been able to do that for a while yeah. um so we really we had a fantastic international women's day week mm, it sounds great like a great range of events and i think that's really interesting as well that you wanted to bring it back to like the grassroots feminism um because often on sort of social media around International Women's Day, you'll see lots of big companies posting sort of happy International Women's Day. And then I don't know if you saw this gender pay gap bot that was like retweeting all these companies and saying the gender <coughs> pay gap in this company is like whatever. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really important to bring it back to what it's all about. I love that bot too. It was great. So many organizations were like, hey, happy International Women's Day. This is great. And the bot was just like, actually, gonna, what's your pay like? <laughs> yeah. Um, just like one other thing I want to talk about that Project Choice were involved in was a workshop about abortion that you held as part of the Feminist and Equality Society's Sex Ed series, and that was in February. Um, so could you tell us a bit about what Project Choice spoke about as part of this workshop? Yeah, very happy to. Um, we had such an amazing reception from this workshop, uh, and it was just a really lovely safe open space you know people that attended were so good about sharing their views and also their experiences so it was really fantastic so we framed this workshop as you know we titled it everything you've ever wanted to know about abortion but were never taught um so we really wanted to do some of that you know myth tackling and stigma busting and all of that good stuff so what we did really at the start was we did a kind of group contract you know, so that's really just um, bringing people into the space and saying, like, this is a safe space. We're going to assume good intentions here. People are invited to share what they're comfortable with, um, you know, and it's just really setting. You know, I don't like to say ground rules because it's only very strict, but it's just setting kind of the tone for the workshop and the space um, and that everyone is respectful of each other, which, you know, everybody as and would be anyway but it's just nice to kind of reaffirm that um, and then we did some signposting and safeguarding and um, there was some parts of this workshop that you know maybe touched on the likes of consent and consexual assault um, and we that was something we did kind of those kind of trigger warnings throughout the workshop just to give people the space to decide if they wanted to do a certain activity or if they like to step out or take a breather or any of that stuff and um, so what we did was we gave an update on the current provision of abortion services so basically how things are after decriminalization versus where we should be because what what we should have after decriminalization of abortion is very very different from what we do have um, and it's just really important to bring it kind of back to um, those points and make sure people know like what we could have and what we should have um, and showing them the access we do have which is very very limited then what we did was um because we we love a myth buster we did a true or false session so we presented statements around abortion and asked participants to you know state if they thought the statement was true or false and then we would kind of go under the statement um, and provide facts um you know some nice statistics i love a good percentage and the number um you know i think it's really good for like lobbying and talking about these things 
Um, so that was really nice. Then we had a, this was probably the longest kind of um, little mini session we had within the workshop, which was clarifying abortion values. So this is where we read out different statements around sex, sexuality, sexual health, reproductive health care, um, abortion access. And what we did was we asked people um, if they agreed like a little, a lot or not at all. Um, and we got people like up moving around the room. It was great. <laughs> And we invited people to share their thoughts on it. So um, it, it was really kind of interesting seeing, um, you know, what people's kind of thoughts were behind it. And, you know, I always say that everyone has different kind of life experiences. Everyone has different backgrounds. It's going to feed into different views. So it was really, it was just a great, really interactive kind of task that we did. Um, and after that, we did um, what was titled The Last Kind of, The Last Abortion. So this is where all participants were broken into groups. They were given um, a range of real life scenarios provided by, um, you know, a local pro-choice group of people and circumstances where they require an abortion so basically you have to think of your like you know you might be a provider you might be an abortion dealer you might be a pro-choice activist who's helping someone and um, whatever it takes to get on that headspace and you only have access to one abortion and you can only provide that access to one person and you must take the time to think you know who needs this which situation um is the most pressing um and that's really important because it shows the range of circumstances that people are in um when they need abortions and you know it, it's great because people come out of it and they're like they all need abortions they all need access and we're like yes that's what you know choice and reproductive health care and access to abortion is about and then we finished it off um with again um you know we did the signposting at the end um, which is really important so that people know what organizations are out there but we wanted to end on um a really kind of nice um you know positive note um so what we did then was we did affirmations for advocacy so we asked everyone to write an affirmation or like a little positive message for someone who is going in to pro-choice advocacy um, go up, place them on a whiteboard and everyone came and took someone else's message. Um, so it was really, really lovely to see the range of messages that people had. But it was a great, really fantastic workshop. And um, it's a workshop that we hope to roll out wider. I think we're um, planning to do it um, with Alliance for Choice Dairy soon, you know, and take a little take a little tour down to Dairy <laughs> and do it with another regional group um, and some, you know, kind of students and um, young people and people new to the movement down here. Um, but we are also kind of opening that to any society, really, or any um, kind of, you know, uh, club or society at Queen's that would like us to come in and facilitate. Um, and, you know, we can kind of tailor it um, you know to make it society specific to you so if anyone is interested in doing like a little workshop like that um please do get in touch and we'll try and find some time before the end of the semester uh, to make it possible for you but yeah it was a really fantastic session a lot of great insights and thoughts um and you know we got absolutely fantastic feedback from it people were really really responsive um so hopefully it is something we'll be able to roll out wider um because it just it gets people talking and that's that's what you need to do really yeah, definitely. I feel like it's a really beneficial workshop. I think as well, um, when you're just sort of reflecting back on when you're learning about abortion in school, it's always done through a religious lens of like thinking about whether it's like moral or not. But you never really learn any like actual like practical knowledge about abortion, which is like very bizarre, really. So I think workshops like this are really useful to have. Uh, you mentioned Alliance for Choice Dairy there. And outside your work in the SU, you're also an active member of 
Alliance for Choice Dairy. So could you tell us a bit about um, Alliance for Choice and the dairy-specific branch and about some of the things that you've been involved with as part of the group? Yeah, so I have been a member of Alliance for Choice Dairy for three, three and a half years now. I'm not even sure. The pandemic has just removed all knowledge of years and time for me. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Alliance for Choice Dairy are absolutely just fantastic. They're an amazing, amazing team of activists um and we have such kind of a range of activists and people in there you know we have legal professionals we have lecturers we have artists and musicians we've healthcare workers we've doctors we've nurses and um, we've abortion doulas we've students um we've you know young people older people we've um you know trans people non-binary people um you know a lot of kind of queer people in there which is is great um because our struggles are shared so yeah alliance for choice dairy is just absolutely amazing 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 can't say enough about them so what we do is um basically our sole kind of purpose is providing um abortion access and doing that signposting and helping people um especially because dairy is situated in the western trust where there is currently no abortion services at all so you know at the minute in the north the only abortion services that are really being provided um as the early medical abortion which is abortion pills and that's being provided up to nine weeks and six days in every trust um but the western trust unfortunately um and you know healthcare workers are are doing their absolute most without you know funding without any help from the department of health um so you know we understand why the western trust has no access um and hopefully that will be reinstated soon but basically our main thing is making sure that everyone who's in our area that wants or needs uh, an abortion has that access um we also do extensive political lobbying um you know we have lobbied members of um pretty much every party most recently the UUP's rosemary barton um, and we're currently preparing for election coverage so one of our um members um, is fantastic at, at research. Um, so now she is going to go and prepare some election kind of coverage on on different parties, um, different kind of election candidates, um, and their stances on you know abortion, reproductive justice, and healthcare as a whole. Um, we do regular outreach stalls on the street to speak to people about you know abortion rights, abortion access in the north, um, and reproductive justice more widely. You know a lot goes into it. I always say that everything is a reproductive justice um, issue. So um, you know it's great getting out onto the streets and speaking to people directly. Um, and you know most you know the majority of people um, are really really receptive and really lovely because as we know the majority of people in the north are pro-choice. Um, we also host different workshops and different trainings um, for people to develop their activist skills so that, you know, that ranges from the likes of, um, you know, abortion kind of stigma busting workshops um, to training on how to use abortion pills um, and loads of different sessions. Um, but we also love to host kind of, you know, nice kind of ex- extracurricular, shall I say, um, events too. So, you know, we hosted um, the night that decriminalization came through. We hosted a massive party um, and it was just amazing to celebrate with, you know, the people that helped make that change for decriminalization of abortion and legalization of same-sex marriage. Um, a lot of those activists worked on both those campaigns. Um, recently, we did uh, an International Women's Day rally we had an International Women's Day fundraiser called Femsesh. 
Um, you know, we've hosted um, different kind of sessions as part of culture nights, um, you know, trade union weeks. Um, we've marched uh, in the Bloody Sunday procession, um, you know, so we're we're really, really active and we're really keen on um, also getting involved um, with, you know, solidarity across movements. So solidarity to pro-choice groups across the world, but also the groups like, you know, Northwest Migrants Forum and N Deportation to Belfast and all those kind of different, um, you know, social justice campaigns. And um, recently we have been raising money for activists in South America and Poland um, through, you know, fundraising for um, We Made Different Bandanas. We also do merch. Um, so there's just there's loads going on we like to keep ourselves busy and we also have amazing social media channels again um, we have a resident um, TikTok maker who has really been um, you know kind of heightening our profile online so there's so much going on in Lines for Choice Dairy but again um, you know somewhere enough to Project Choice we just want to make it a community a home for activists we want anyone at any level any stage of their activist journey to join us and know that their contributions are welcome. There's a space for them. Um, you know, I always say to people, whether you're here for four days or four years, like you're on the same level as a soul um, and your contributions are important. Um, so we've recently had like an influx of new members as well, which has been fantastic. So, so much great work going on um, at the minute, especially in the lead up to the end of the month, which is kind of the deadline for commissioning of abortion services. Um, so hopefully we'll see some movements in, um, you know, but if we're gonna be here regardless yeah definitely i feel like that's such a great group and there's so much brilliant work happening and like i feel as well that Derry has such like a great like activist scene like i really want to go to Derry on like international women's day sometime because i feel like it'll be such like a good time <laughs> um, please do like i'm like a, <laughs> you have to give me a tour <laughs> I, i'll end up doing like activist tours of Derry after <laughs> really you know i just like anyone i meet they're like oh listen to your accent i'm like yeah come to Derry. <laughs> So I just have a few questions now, um, which I like to ask all my guests on the show. So the first one is, what issues do you think are most important to female students in Northern Ireland today? <laughs> all of them. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, as as I've mentioned, you know, I probably went on uh, about abortion um, enough. No, I can never do, never talk about abortion enough. Um, but yeah, reproductive health care is one of the main ones. Access to abortion, access to contraception um period poverty and period dignity um violence against women and girls you know students across you know kind of ireland and the uk on a wider scale have seen a massive increase in the likes of spiking this year um and that's something that you know has really came to the forefront with our students um so yeah gender-based violence violence against women and girls um relationship and sex education is another massive one that um, I think female students are really, really, um, you know, invested in and interested in, um, because we always say that you know, preventive, preventative, sorry, um, is better than reactive. Um, you know, we need education on relationship, healthy relationships, um, and sex education. Like we need that before we get to uni. That's the problem. Um, you know, people who are interested in that stuff at uni will always be interested some people come to uni with very stigmatized views on sex we need more information um, and education on consent um, and you know work on consent can start from like primary school you know it's really important that we are doing that work early on um but also you know female students are you know really concerned about their lectures 
and their education provider has been prayed properly. One of UCU's demands is to close the gender and the BAME pay caps. Um, you know, the rising cost of, of love and crisis um, that, that is currently going on, you know, the increasing cost of, of fuel, um, of gas, of all that, you know, students also have to heat their homes, housing, um, you know, tenants' rights, um, you know, students that love in the likes of the Holy Lands um, can, can see that, you know, they're living in what is squalor, essentially. Um, some of those houses are physically making students ill, you know, um, so that's another really important thing, mental health, um, like, anyone that is interested any student female or you know whoever um who's interested in social justice will be interested in all these things across because you know everything literally everything is a feminist issue everything is a reproductive justice issue every all of these things are a student issue um and i think it's it's really interesting to me because you know both inside and outside of the, the student movement and just in a wider activist movement that solidarity is really there. It's really there because when you go to a protest for one issue, you'll see, you know, all the campaigners, all the organizations that you know when you'll see them at every they constantly show up. Um and students play such an important part of that. Like students are, you know, students really lead the change. Um they they work so hard and campaign so hard and I think it's really important to shout them out. But all all those issues are really prominent. Um, you know, the likes of violence against women against your street harassment all that stuff and that is something that has been a talking point for female students for for what feels like forever but especially within the past year i have just seen such an increase um and you know female students talking about these issues and you know stepping under their activist journey and i think it's just so fantastic to see yeah i feel that there's so many important issues there and i think you're right but there are activists that are constantly sort of showing up for all these variety of different issues and they should be um commended for doing so as well so i have another question which i like to ask everyone which is slightly lighter um and before i ask it i'll just say that um both jess from the feminist society and courtney from the belfast girl gang have said you as one of their answers for this question no. <laughs> um, so <laughs> the question is uh which women um inspire you and why Oh God, I'm just, I am inspired. I, I am in awe of like all the women in my life at all times. So I think when I look at, um, you know, activists, the likes of Bernadette McCalsky, you know, Bernadette Devlin, Angela Davis, you know, those kind of activists, um, uh, you know, across the North and across the world, um, I just think are absolutely amazing. But when I look at our activists at home, I just like everyone in Alliance for Choice Dairy and, and Project Choice, you know, Jess, Courtney, Neve, all the women on the student officer team, Green, um, our previous president, all 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 the organizations, um, and the and the women's and the voluntary in the community sector are all so fantastic. Um, and I know it really sounds like I'm doing an all rounder. I feel like this is like my feminist Oscar speech probably. <laughs> um, but all of the people <laughs> that I have worked with over you know, my time in Queens, my time in the union, my time in the activist sphere, which will continue after I leave um, the welfare role, have just been so amazing. Um, and yeah, Neve uh, and Courtney in particular um, have been great friends to me. They've always been there for me through, you know, especially this year. Um, I see Jess and all the girls at, at the Feminist Society. You know, I was really excited to see that start. Um, I think there's so much happening on Queen's campus and Belfast and on just across the North. Um, you know, so it, it's just, I, I'm constantly in awe of all the women in my lives. You know, I also come from a family of women. 
they're just amazing who do everything for everyone you know they're they're social workers they're teachers they're you know um they're the pillars of their community that's what we are and i just think it's so important to stress that um you know women activists are not we're the pillars of our, our families our friends our communities like and the work we do is not always seen or praised so yeah i just have so so much love for all the women in my community um alliance for choice dairy project choice stop street harassment um you know raise your voice reclaim the agenda sarah in particular common youth rape crisis ni the folks at informing choices ni like all there's literally too many groups doing this great work to shout out um but every single woman in this community in the north that is every woman in the world that is fighting to make this place better for us and that won't back down i'm like i just i love and all of these i love these i think you're amazing That's great. That's really interesting what you said about like women being like the pillars of the community because I was talking to Ava Clements last week from 5050 and I and she was talking about how women they make communities and often they don't get shown the sort of the same gratitude as for example the male councillors or politicians in their community and I think women should be given more recognition for what they do in communities. Definitely. 100% and there's so many like you know quotes about that you know like woman hold up past the sky and the woman is moving <laughs> keep it moving on and um like yeah we we are the complete pillars of of our community and you know i think it's funny you mentioned like in a male like politicians and counselors you know when a man shows up at a violence against a woman in years and <laughs> um, vigil it's like oh he did it and when a woman says about you know violence against women and girls it's like you know oh no it's not the time <laughs> yeah. um yeah there's so many and 50 50 and i another amazing organization there's literally oh there's there's too many <laughs> to keep track of they're all fantastic <laughs> so many yeah so i just have one final question today bethany um which is if anyone listening uh, would like to get in touch with you as the sg's welfare officer or as the co-chair of project choice um how can they do that yeah um so if you're interested in <laughs> sorry i've got a cough at the minute um <laughs> I have lateral flow, by the way. Um, <laughs> so um, if anyone listening would like to get in touch with me as the Students' Union's Welfare Officer um, or as a co-chair of Project Choice, you can email me at su.welfare at qub.ac.uk um, or you can get in touch through Project Choice's social media channels if you'd like to get in touch that way. Um, so we have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just like Project Choice, QUBSU. Um, and also, like, if anyone's looking for help with an abortion or seeking abortions or would like to be signposted to the relevant organisations, you can contact me through Project Choice, Alliance for Choice Dairy, um, or, you know, you can contact me, um, you know, just through social media if you're looking for help with an abortion and don't want to go through the email channel. Um, you know, ev- everyone is welcome to come through the email channel or for any issue at all. Um, and hopefully um, some students will be keen to get involved in the projects um, before kind of my time in the union comes to an end. <laughs> yeah, that's great to know. Um, well, Bethany, it was brilliant to chat with you today and find out a bit more about your role as welfare officer in the issue and the great work you're doing um, with Project Choice and Alliance for Choice Dairy as well. Um, so thank you so much for joining me on the show this week and best of luck for the future as well. Thanks so much for having me, Kirsty. It's been great. That was QBSU's welfare officer, Bethany Moore. I'm now joined by Rachel Hassan and Abby Davidson for the Worldwide Women segment of the show, where we explore the stories of influential women from around the world, both past and present. Rachel and Abby, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having us. Uh, now, last time on the show, you told us about Sarojini Naidu, an Indian poet and politician in the early 20th century. But Rachel, who have you and Abby been looking at this week? 
Uh, so today we were looking at a woman called Ray Strawhill, who is a chronic illness and disability advocate. And I found Ray's uh, account on Instagram where she shares important activism for disabled women. So Ray is from Vienna and some of her other interests include being a blogger and also a photographer. That sounds really interesting. Um, so could you tell us a little bit more about her blog? Yeah, of course. Um, she started her blog in 2020 after she was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome because uh, she saw that there was a distinct lack of awareness for the condition and how to cope with it. And Ray writes about how when she was diagnosed, she herself knew nothing about the condition and she sort of had to find her own way to navigate it. And since doing so, she wanted to be able to help others going through similar struggles through her writing and Ray also wrote about how she hopes that through her work her illness will be shown will be much better known and also taken more seriously and um, we think that she is a brilliant advocate for the disabled and chronically ill community and this is further shown through some of her work that Abby will talk about. Definitely she sounds like a great advocate for the disabled and chronically ill community. And Abby, can you tell us a little bit more about her work? Yeah, so Ray uses her social media platform, particularly Instagram, as well as her blog to educate others on the reality of living life with a chronic illness and about hidden disabilities. She puts out a lot of information on how to make social media a more accessible space to people with disabilities, as well as informing um, of the intersections between feminism and disability. Her combination of personal experiences and factual information are especially informative to someone who doesn't have prior knowledge or understanding of ableism and how harmful it can be to our society. Ray is an important figure as she represents an, of, an often forgotten segment of female society who face reproductive, economic and employment discrimination in much higher numbers and are often the victims of violence. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think it's really important as well to be able to recognise ableism um, in society and be able to challenge it as well. And why do you think it's so important uh, that women like Ray share their stories online? By sharing her journey with chronic fatigue syndrome on social media, she, like many others, is opening up the conversation about the disabled female experience and helping others who may be embarking on a similar journey of self-exploration and health discovery. Yeah, definitely. And I think she's really opening up a conversation and challenging the stigma around disability and chronic illness. And as you're both saying there, I think it's so important to listen to and act on the concerns of the disabled and chronically ill community to ensure that society is a safe and comfortable place for everyone. Uh, So thank you, Rachel and Abby, for sharing Ray's story with us this week on Worldwide Women. And I can't wait for the next one. So thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. That was Rachel Hassan and Abby Davidson there with this week's Worldwide Woman. Well, that's the end of this week's show. A big thanks again to all of my guests this week, Bethany, Rachel and Abby. And thank you too for listening. Next week, I'll be joined by the co-founders of Stop Street Harassment NI, Kristen Wallace and Hannah Campbell. And Rachel and Abby will be back once again with another Worldwide Woman. I hope you can join me then. But until next time, I've been your host, Kirsty King, and this has been The Women's Scoop.